Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Blah Poetry Spot Presents Words and Shit. Every week, we are bringing you a different featured poet to share their work and to have a conversation so that you can get to know the person behind the poetry. This week's episode was first recorded back at the beginning of April when quarantine and National Poetry Month and all sorts of shit was going down, uh, and we still had no idea where we were going with it, but it has grown into such a beautiful thing. My name is Chibi. I'm going to be your host for this uh, episode, and in upcoming episodes, we will have other hosts as well, but right now, I'm going to stop talking so we can get right to it. If you are enjoying the content, if you're enjoying the conversation, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, leave us a comment, share this with all your friends. You can also find us live every Thursday at 7.30 Central Standard Time on the Blah Poetry Spot Facebook page. But right now, we're going to get into it. Our conversation with our featured poet this week started off local. Couldn't think of a better way to kick it off than with this poet right here. So I hope you enjoy the conversation because it's a good one. Our featured poet this week is a, I have a a bio right here, is a writer and spoken word poet from San Antonio, Texas. He earned his MA, MFA in creative writing, literature, and social justice at Our Lady of the Lake University. His work appeared in such publications as the Huffington Post Latino Voices, Pittsburgh Poetry Review, and the Ascentos Review. His latest book, A Saint for Lost Things, is forthcoming and published by Alabrava Press. He has qualified or uh, been on the San Antonio Puro Slam team a total of seven times and was the slam champion back in 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rooster Martinez. Rooster, how you doing? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. We're good. Okay. This is cool. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> so hi, I'm going to... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a little backstory here before we jump into this. Rooster and I had floated an idea about like doing a podcast of some sort and doing this kind of thing. And then because of quarantine and technology, uh, we're doing this now. This. Totally. So, so I'm going to shut myself up, put myself on mute, turn my camera off and turn it over to you if you want to start us off with a, a number of poems and then we'll get into topics of discussion. Okay. So first off, hi, everyone. Uh, Glad everyone could be here today. Um, Hope everyone's doing well and surviving quarantine uh, without going too crazy. Um, So I'm going to do a few poems. These first ones uh, actually come from my latest book, A Saint for Lost Things, uh, which is published through Alabrava Press. Uh, At a certain point, we'll have information on where you can... Uh, buy the book, order it, and uh, have it shipped to you. Um, So let me kind of get into this. Um, This book kind of really started out as um, a manuscript that I did for my uh, MFA program. And in a lot of ways, I think that... um, it's matured, it developed, and it changed a bunch of times, uh, but it's all primarily focused on uh, San Antonio as kind of like the key uh, focal point. Um, a lot of my history here, a lot of the history of the place here, as well as a lot of my love 
and adoration for uh, the city. So uh, let me kind of get into this first piece and real quick, leave a comment if you can hear me because I just want to make sure. Cool. All right. Fantastic. <clears throat> um, this first piece um, is called Manteca. And it's a poem that I, I really wanted to read for a long time, but I feel like at most open mics, it doesn't work. But in this format here, I think it can. Um, this is obviously about bacon fat and how much I love it. I only trust gods with cloudy eyes, oil nimbus overnight. Even grease is sacred real estate, belongs in every cut and meal. Panties filter out the impurities before collection. Wheat wet until it laughs itself solid. The stove flame blues, cast iron bottom. You treat it with the dignity of swords. The manteca smelts yesterday's bacon into today's red hours. The death beginning, morning, and all that matters spiral out from. When lard gives itself up, it looks back at you. The stump of a lizard's tail. You cannot kill what lives dead ready and returns at will. A wooden spoon plunges. Alabaster splits itself to meet our ends. Manteca is anti-butter, carries an attitude harder than anything pummeled or churned. As God painted and pinoed the universe, Manteca congealed it into itself whole. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. so. Um, my family grew up in San Antonio and basically this entire area, um, going back to before it was San Antonio. And, um, this poem is kind of dedicated to the time before it was San Antonio, before it was Bear County, um, and some of the indigenous, uh, life that existed here. Prior. So this is called 10 Years Young. <clears throat> and if I were to walk in the direction of a breeze, would I become the wind? Would I connect with wherever the wind would go and wherever it has been? Or do I remain like a secondhand clock stuck in a swelling river? I ask because I'd like to know the places I come from. Or are we all simply places for others to be? 10 years young, and they've erected missions on my skin. Yanaguana became a county. They clothed me in barbed wire and bullets, blood and fences, a cross on my naked flesh. Hot winds still blow through what the Spanish named balcones, and they sweat like I sweat. I am an old land, but they tell me I am a young city. The people who would talk to me are becoming fewer and fewer. Buildings and people spring forth from me like baby teeth and fall away just as quickly. They want to redirect my river towards new God. My tongue bent like cacti, too thorny for my own mouth to remember. The people who would talk to me are becoming fewer and fewer. I don't know who would listen to my song anymore or to which gods I should cry out to. I was here before 10 years ago, before 300, before gold, before galleons, before the men and their armored war dogs and the ends of blade. You found your blessing at the mouth of my river. I bury my magic so deep that I might recall what made me, 
And at night, my shadows move in places people refuse to see as graves. Some nights they dance. You cannot carbon date my skin against pitiful calendar. I know what lives here. Below the mission and crosses, the buildings and the boulevards, I am settled. I am the dirt. I am what you continue to build upon but can never crush. I am whatever comes before alpha and after omega. Yo soy las ramas y raíces, the branches and the roots. Ten years young and the wind tells me I will wake up when I'm ready to sing again. Perhaps I never stopped and the city is only now noticing. Ten years, 300 or a million. And I am still the river that will wash out all the blood. I am still the river that never forgets. And everyone before and everyone now will never die in my memory. Thank you. Um, let me do, I'm going to do two more. Uh, a short one and a little bit of a longer one. And we'll kind of, we'll bring Chibi back in to uh to ask some questions and such so um i went to high school in central texas and um prior to that uh i always knew i was mexican however when i went to a high school where uh it was pretty much segregated black and white uh being a mexican uh, a lot of white people really made sure i knew how mexican i was <laughs> um so because of that dynamic, uh, I think it was around that time in ninth grade uh, where I really started to feel the external forces of things like race and culture and ethnicity. And I had a lot of friends who were uh, biracial, you know, bicultural, Panamanian and black, white and, and Korean or all types of other things. So um, what I think I learned most of all is that you are always going to be whatever the power structure of this country sees you as. Um, and for me, as someone who's fortunate enough to be light enough to like blend in a lot of places, uh, there are still a lot more places where I stick out. Um, and this was kind of a poem about uh, uh, that realization uh, in ninth grade uh, when a senior wanted to kick the shit out of me for no reason. <laughs> so uh, this poem is called and some only hunt for sport. The blonde senior wants to beat the ninth grade out of me. His posture, however, isn't sure, isn't a gun. My eyes assert bigger giants, assuring him I am a gun. Swords soften and he smirks off for new game. And war never lands. And I hate this school. And I hate that my hair is the exotic black that hunters seek to kill around these parts. And I hate the taking of trophies. And I wish the world would stab me with its knives already. I'm tired of the looming threats of destruction. I'm tired of always being at the ready to destroy. Thank you. Um, and kind of going off of that same sort of idea, uh, this is a piece that was inspired uh, during a sort of similar encounter uh, in college, but uh, it was a bit different in that um, there was a conversation I had with a friend who uh, had mentioned that 
a colleague said that uh, authors of color are always abrasive and uh, crass and they use too many cuss words and um, they're not as sophisticated as, you know, the canonical authors, white authors and things like that. And uh, my friend was really upset about that, this idea of abrasive uh, uh, and being seen as abrasive and our heroes being seen as abrasive. But uh, in that moment, I kind of had a realization that that is still a very cool thing uh, and that it's a necessary thing. And yeah, uh, for a lot of people of color and minorities, our heroes have to be um, bigger. They have to be bolder, especially if they're the trailblazers, because most of the time they're the ones getting their he- heads dented in by authority and by um, the, the, the hegemonic powers that be. Uh, so it's very important that our, our early heroes are um, the bolder ones, the more outspoken ones, and the ones who will say, you know, fuck you, we're here. Uh, so I wrote this poem. <clears throat> this is called Abrasive Bee. A white colleague says authors of color sound too abrasive. Abrasive. Adjective. One, causing damage or wear by rubbing, grinding, or scraping. Two, having a rough quality, used for rubbing something to make it shiny or smooth. Three, very unpleasant or irritating. Four, my words are abrasive. They're Constantina barbed wire wrapped nations fenced in and awaiting deportation. Words that won't settle nice into new neighborhoods. They seek to settle into South Texas like the espinas of agave plants. My words talk back to a God it never asked for. This tongue is a cactus littered with dead men and healthy and unforgiving territory. Rough words, because rough is the only way to be heard. Be it brown barrio kid with an attitude, be it educated vato, take me seriously when I'm deadly serious, cover every story in my skin. Abrasive be hip hop, be Trinidad, be scorched comales of abuelitas, be Chuck Berry's guitar strings, abrasive be a house on Mongo Street, be how we show love. And we can be tough to love, but our love rubs like wet stones. And our love makes our partner sharp, shiny, and lethal as obsidian knives. Abrasive be how we learn to speak God through all the bleach. Abrasive be the definitions we find ourselves in dictionaries because the smoothest shit we do is never taught in history. Be like most brown kids in the classroom, irritated to the point of raw. Be all I have, an unacknowledged history, an attitude to scrape by and a peace sign in my pocket for the day I could pull it out and it not be a middle finger. And I brandished my middle finger because I buried my index next to the triggers I refused to pull on my own people or other brown people or the soldier for a country that would still see me killed stateside by police sworn to serve and protect me. So yes, ma'am, sure, you're right. Brown be abrasive, be too exotic, too brown, too immigrant, Mexicano, Accent marks too loud for quiet bookshelves. But if we apologize for the slaughterhouse this country made of our mouths, are we ever heard before we're screaming? Thank you. So let's see if Chibi. Chibi's back. I think, or Chibi's on break. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a cheese ball. 
All right. That was fantastic. Thank you, Rooster, for those uh, four amazing poems. Thank you. Um, to, let, to let people in on also on kind of like the idea behind this is, you know, you've heard the poets, you've heard the poetry. And so the idea behind these, these sessions are to get to know the person behind the poetry. So we're going to be having some conversations. We have a list of things that we're going to be talking about. And we will also take uh, questions from the audience. So again, audience, feel free to use the chat function as you will. Uh, but Rooster, let's get in on some of these things. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is quarantine. Quarantine. Because <laughs> all we have is the room right now. Um, I love that you opened up with the, uh, the poem um, about food. You know, yeah. in Manteca. So tell me, what has been your go-to uh, meal or dish or snack over the past two weeks that we have been hunkered down? Eggs. I've been eating so much eggs, like scrambled eggs and hard-boiled eggs, uh, eggs on sandwiches, eggs uh, mixed in with stuff, you know, papas con huevo, uh, sausage con huevo, weenies con huevo, chorizo con huevo, all of it. Con huevo, uh, pretty much eggs. It, it's like the like the um, forest gum bubblegum shrimp of of Mexicanos is eggs. It is. Okay. And it goes with everything, and it makes everything filling and delicious. So I love it. Huevos con huevos. Yes, thank you, David. <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to talk about. You mentioned San Antonio a lot. It's it's pretty prevalent in your poetry uh, and your work uh you i've always kind of known you as like a san antonio ride or die kind of person like you're you're married to this city yeah. um and you are a a um dare we say army brat you know yes. you did travel uh, travel around a lot as a kid because of your parents being in the army mm -hmm. right yeah so what is it about san antonio that uh brings you back that keeps you here that you love so much like tell me a little bit about what makes this city so special to you and tell the people that are maybe not from san antonio the alliance with the wu-tang and nwa as the Corey obviously has said um no um my extended family and my mother and father were originally from here so this was always the place that we would come back to in between travel in between going to Panama and living in Hawaii and living in Central Texas and other places. Uh, this was always like home base. So it was always a place where I felt comfortable because it was like, oh shit, like there's family members who look like me and I get them and, you know, they know my mom since she was a kid and you kind of grew up a little bit together uh, 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 and such. And I think, so I was always kind of really tied here, but then I think especially when I came back later permanently, it was just living out in the streets. It was going out and exploring. And I feel like San Antonio is this really undervalued city because we have everything every major city has, except you got to know somebody or you got to know where to go or you got to know where to look. And, and, and if you're not someone who wants to explore, like you're never going to know the magic. But if you do, like you can find the coolest shit. So yeah, you just got to dig a little deeper. Yes. Yeah, I've heard it said San Antonio is the the biggest little city that you'll ever live in. Yeah, I mean, a lot of cities are are I don't know. Like it's weird. I think everyone who live who's from a city like they hate it. You know what I mean? Like, 
It's like, it's just, I mean, because if you move from San Antonio to New York, it's like, oh shit, like this is my whole new world. Everything's opened up and you have all these different places. But if you grew up your whole life in Queens, all you know is Queens or whatever. You don't look at it like, oh, I'm, I'm homegirl from Sex in the City. Um, and I think, that, I mean, there's people from Houston like that. They're like, oh, I'm really from Mesquite and it sucks. And I'm from such and such and it sucks. And you got to explore. You got to go find it. And yeah. I don't know. It's out there. It's out there. You know, uh, I do, I do feel, feel like similarly, whereas like one of the beautiful things about this city is that uh, is the community and the people here, you know, that make it feel so homey, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's take a moment and talk about your new book because that's right. set to launch um, the week of shortly. April 20th. Yeah. The week of April 20th. There you go. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the process of putting it together. You know, uh, it's called a saint for lost things, right? Yes. The process was really long. It was really fraught with tears. It was, I would have to say that um, writing a book after finally getting it done and understanding the process that goes with it. And you are, you know what I'm talking about because we did the same thing with your book (laughs) where you, you know, we both come from the stage and open mics and slam poetry and fitting everything we can in the three minute and 10 second bits. Um, so transitioning over to a book or how to, how to format a poem was really difficult and really sort of um, uh, a longer process than I thought it was. It, it started as like, oh, I know how to write words. I've been writing words for eight years. Like, I know words and shit. I'm a Grand Slam champion. I know words. You know, like... <laughs> It was things like that. And then kind of sitting down and, and giving your, your words to someone else and then kind of being like, yeah, no, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, so having to kind of relearn everything. But uh, it was good. And I, re- I feel really good about this collection. Um, we're selling it for $15 through Alabama Press. Uh, we're uh, doing a limited run of like 100 or 150 copies. Uh, but with your $15, you get a signed copy a limited edition numbered copy, and we will mail it out to you directly. How can people get a hold of it if they do want it? If you want it, you can. Uh, let me put it here in the comments. You can in Venmo, uh, Venmo or PayPal, Alabrava Press. Uh, it's $15. So put uh, the $15 in there plus your address uh, when you send it. And we'll get you your copy. Oh, wait. Shit. I fucked up. Alabra. <laughs> Alabraba. All one word. I put press after. So it's at Alabraba Press on and PayPal. So if you are interested in some of his work, which you should be, uh, send your $15 to Alabraba Press and your address, and you'll get a copy the week of April 20th if, you know, the world hasn't collapsed by then. That's what we're shooting for. <laughs> All right, not collapsing, not my book. (laughs) Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about something that you uh, love uh, and is near and dear to a lot of San Antonio's hearts, and that is the NBA. Yeah. Let's talk about how it's not near and dear to your heart because you don't (laughs) Look, I went to a Spurs game, okay? Yeah. I am officially a San Antonian now. This is true. 
So tell me, tell me about the NBA. What? What? It hurts that it's not around. I think that that is my one. Uh, uh, I don't know, like thing in life that uh, that's extracurricular from everything else. And now that it's not around, and uh, seeing basketball or sports like that, and I don't, I don't know, like. I, I don't like a whole, whole lot of sports, but I do love the NBA. So since that's the one thing that's just can't exist right now, I'm, I'm just hurt. Um, okay. Well, as you said, I, I don't, it's not near and dear to my heart and I don't know a lot about it. So in order to facilitate the next few minutes of this conversation, we're going to bring in our special NBA correspondent, uh, Paul. Paul, where are you at, Paul? Paul is here. right here. Paul is here. Uh, Y'all do something because I have no idea. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's talk basketball. Let's let's discuss. Do we let DeMar DeRozan no, go no, no. right now? No, no, no. Okay. I'm not even gonna start you with a softball question that easy. Oh, Tell sure. me this: if of of all the Spurs rosters, you've been a Spurs fan for a while, right? Put together your top five. Put together a roster out of your top five players. Tony Parker. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say, see, I'm gonna, even though he comes off the bench, I'm gonna put Mono in at starting shooting guard. I'm gonna put, damn, Tim obviously, David Robinson. It's just that small forest spot. It's like, do I want to do Sean Elliott or do I want to do like Bruce Bowen? Bruce held it down and he will punch people in the nuts, which is like the hardest. Thanks. Like that gives them a whole lot of extra clout. So I'm gonna put Bruce. I'm gonna put Bruce there. And I know, like, people are like, "What about George Gervin?" It's like, look, the Ice Man was before my time, and I appreciate Ice and everything he did. Um, but he ain't bring a title. But 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 and Glow just asked this question too. So Avery Johnson over. Uh, no, Tony Parker Tony, over. Tony, the Tony gym. Parker over Avery, over Avery Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, okay. I'm 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 with it. I'm with it. I ain't look. No, no qualms for me there. Second question, last question. I'm gonna ask about basketball, and we'll get back to the actual poetry stuff. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> like right now, right now, no NBA. What are we doing? I am. I I've been trying. I've been writing, so that's cool. But it's a okay. lot of terrible writing. Terrible, <laughs> bad writing, mostly about the NBA. Uh, and that's it. Just kind of, you know, it's like you find it's. You, I had this really interesting thought, and like Chibi, if you want to clock in on this too, I think you can also understand this. But it's like I have, I feel like I'm nine years old again. Like when I was a kid, and my yeah. mom would be like, "No, you can't watch television. No, you know, no, you can't do this. You can't go outside or whatever. You're just on punishment. So you just have to like use your creative brain to like put." things too um it's kind of like the ultimate like go to your room and you can't leave until you think about what you did right right <laughs> and you got none it's not like go to your room where these days are like kids have like their entire life in their room but now you're just like stuck and you got nothing, nothing. so it, here's the basketball suggestion i'm going to give you because i've started doing this i started watching classic games and oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so Look, that's that's the space. So um, I'm this close to buying an Xbox, man. Like this, dude, close. 
I almost bought a PlayStation today. Just know. I know. <laughs> like, and should be games. I, I can I can chime in here. If you have a ton of time on your hand, Assassin's Creed will definitely like, you know, just get on there and just kill some bitches. Like it's Oh no, no, no. I was I was gonna buy a PlayStation just to start playing basketball on PlayStation. I wasn't gonna play actual actual games, just basketball. Like I was gonna just set up the PlayStation and let them play. Yeah. No. Just computer well, generated, that, not even yeah. not even take part in it. Let's just watch that's a, a watch had. a game. Right, watch a game. Hey, that's all I have for basketball, so I'm gonna fall back. It's back to Jimmy. Hey, thank you for joining us, Paul. We appreciate you. because uh, I had nothing to talk about there on that topic of conversation. Um I let's talk about the topics. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm gonna try and go through all of them, okay? Okay. Um I do want to talk a little bit about because one of the things I forgot to mention, but it was on the flyer, you are the executive director of Right Art Out. Yes. Um Paul is also part uh, on the board. He's the mm-hmm. chairman of the board, if you will. Uh tell us for those who don't know what Right Art Out is, talk a little bit about what the uh what the entity is and uh what you guys are doing and how people can be um involved or participate or sure so uh initially we started as just an open mic uh the blah 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 poetry spot uh with three blahs and we uh we're hosting those regularly however especially paul and i early on and some of the other members we felt very compelled to do a lot of community work and it was kind of just something we always did. And, and, and since we knew all these amazing, talented people, we decided, hey, let's, let's kind of um, materialize uh, a nonprofit arm that we can do things like accept money or, you know, uh, that can fund these projects. But uh, we failed at that for like years. We, we tried... <laughs> It was originally the Blah Literary Initiative back in 2012, 2013. And we just couldn't get right. Uh, But when we brought Southern Fried here uh, two years ago, uh, we finally had enough people and enough good sense to kind of get everything together. So uh, we put uh, our our heart into it. We do a lot of workshops. Uh, We do um, the open mic still. Um, we did a lot of com- uh, work with kids with Fresh Pink New Slim, which we're trying to bring back, uh, and we're loving it. It's 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 awesome. Yeah. So if you want to get involved, I love. Thank you, Caitlin, for putting the uh, yes, website you, in the chat. Writeartout.org. Um, one of the things I think a lot of our people that are watching this do know is the blog poetry spot that happens on Mondays, and we are continuing that virtually. And then uh, starting this week on Sundays, we're going to be doing a writer's group. You're actually hosting the writer's group this Sunday at 2 o'clock. Yes, either me or Eddie. I'm going to ask Eddie if he wants to. Tentatively, allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Sunday at 2 o'clock, I believe, we're going to have a a Zoom writer's uh, group. So if anyone who's in the uh, uh, current chat or uh, the current viewing wants to come to, it's going to be free. And we will just shoot the breeze and write some stuff. Love it. All right. So well, let's talk about nice something to get people together. Like, I don't know, like the few times we do these zoom meetings that aren't meetings, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> not for work. Uh, they've been, they're really chat. Yeah. They're really refreshing. I'm like, Oh, that's right. I know it should be safe. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so one of the things I saw another poet doing, so Ed Mabry is doing like a thing for National Poetry Month where he just logs on live on Facebook or on Instagram for an hour every day at a specific time, just so everybody can be together without actually being together. And I think that's so cool that uh, we have these mediums to where we can still bring people together, even though we are not, you know, physically. Stay, stay your ass at home. Stay it. All right, so let's let's talk about something serious real quick. Um, I, I wanna I wanna hit on something that I think all of our viewers and listeners will be uh, is important to them. Top five movies to watch during quarantine. Go. Uh, I'm gonna say Minority Report, which just got back on Netflix. Um, the Green Room. If you're into horror movies, The Green Room is an underrated horror movie that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> Um, if you're like the squirmish type, I don't recommend you watching it, but it's really good. Uh, number three, actually, it's the new Lion King, the Disney one, the live action. I just saw that last oh, night. That, that went hard. It did not. It was horrible, but it's a great movie to watch and just like be like, damn, they ruined a beautiful thing and kind of just you, be like, ah. Oh. I started bawling five seconds into it, like the first night. So then I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but then it like I realized the more the talent rises in that movie, the more that film just goes straight to shit. Um, well, so, we all have our opinions. All right, so that was that was three. That was three. Um, I'm gonna say go rewatch a classic. Like this is just not like specific to anything, but like go watch The Godfather if you haven't watched that. Go watch Goodfellas if you never watched that. Uh, go 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 Casablanca. Like now is perfect Casablanca time you could just sit there and like just just let the wafts of, of humphrey bogart like go through the screen watch let me let, let me tangent here real quick because i started watching mad max fury road last night how do you feel about the original three mel gibson mad max oh that's tough i actually don't like the original mad max but the road warrior and beyond thunderdome are fantastic okay cool all right and five uh, number five, I'm going to have to say, uh, damn, Infinity War. You know, you, get, you actually do both. Do both. It's five hours of movie. You get to see cool things blow up and why not? You know, I recently was able to watch the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order. I so remember. if you've got... Uh, 10 days on your hands now is the time to do it because that shit goes hard if you watch it in order like it just links so many things so great suggestions now let's talk about the most important thing the most Casa de Papel. let's do it i'm ready <laughs> okay. i'm ready so, if, if you haven't more. watched it for for all our viewers out there if you haven't watched it it's on netflix it's called money heist do yourself a favor. Don't watch it in English. Watch it in Spanish. Use the subtitles in English if necessary. But talk, let's talk about it. Go. You. What are you most excited about? Like, I, like what, the, what happens now? You know, like I started rewatching it. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it for people. So like, I know the professor is jammed up. Who's your favorite character? Let's start there. Who's your favorite character? Oh no! When you said like Nairobi, one hundred percent, I'm with you on that. Like yeah. this, she goes, she goes hard. She is on top of it. She's level headed. Like every time Tokyo goes like left, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? 
Tokyo yeah. is the worst. Let, let me contextualize this for the people who don't know. Money Heist is a Spanish telenovela that's like over the top acting, over the top sexy. Like for some reason, all the bank robbers are just ridiculously attractive. Ridiculously. Ridiculously. Even Helsinki. Yes. 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 (laughs) Even Helsinki is like the ultimate bear of bears, right? Yes. And he is a bear. And he's like, I'm a bear. And it's like, so it's like, oh, yeah. And he's the ultimate bear. Uh, so they're ridiculously attractive. They're rid- and they're so emotionally volatile that, like, even though it's like the best laid plan, like they're going to have sex with the wrong person, fight with the wrong person, c- commit some ridiculous move out of emotion, and mm-hmm. and use a rocket launcher when unnecessary. When un- yeah, so it's like it's like Ocean's Eleven meets. Uh, what was it? Maria de la Barrio, that novella, uh, meets like, uh, a, a Gucci commercial. Like, a, like everyone is so like stylized. And I mean, sexy. it's the most outlandish things, right? You're, you're robbing. So if you haven't watched it, it's not a spoiler. This is just the premise of it. You're bas- you're robbing the, the place that prints money. You know, you're, you're robbing the national bank. Like it, it's over the top and outlandish and fantastic. Yes. But it's so well written. Yes. And acted. And yeah. Oh, and everyone is named after a city somewhere in the world. So you got like Tokyo and Nairobi and Helsinki. And so here's the question because this one this one also just dropped. Money heist or Ozark? A money heist all the way. Okay. Like all right. I, and I love Ozark. Ozark is fantastic. And I've been kind of watching it as I work from home. But just I, I'm so here's something for you, I, or and you, by you, I mean everyone, uh, but you too, Chibi. Is I'm not binging anymore, we got too much time on our hands. I'm like, give me two, three episodes, and then I gotta take a break because mm-hmm. it gives me something to look forward to and appreciate it. I feel you, I feel you. So, uh, I've been re watching Breaking Bad, um, and I got my husband to start watching it, he'd never seen it before, and we'll do that, we'll do like Two or three episodes at a time, it's like, okay, I got to walk away. I got to do something that is not this, right? So that when you come back, it's like, it's even sweeter, right? It's like you earned the next episode. Yeah. I also heard there's a movie called The Platform that's really good, and people should look into that. That's another Spanish film, but I heard it's really good. There we go. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit and do a little uh, this, this or that. Um, and you posed this question. Um, but I'm going to open it up to our viewers. If you have opinions, please put them in the chat over here. I'm, they're over here for me. I'm assuming they're over here for you, too. Um, who is more important to America, Ben Stiller or Tom Cruise? I want to see what the audience has to say first, because I have my answer, and I'm very, like... No one my, is uh, no going to convince ben, you otherwise. Ben, yeah. Wow, Julia, Tom Cruise, really? The United States of America, <laughs> Dominique. <laughs> White America. Uh, all America. All America. I'm going to say Maverick. No, not Tom Cruise. I honestly think it's Ben Stiller. I was like, because I, so I was, I was watching Minority Report last night and I was like, Tom, what's Tom Cruise's best movie? Let me ask you that question. And anyone can chime in as well. The emo kid in me wants to say interview with a vampire. 
of course, but that's uh, I, that's a him and Brad Pitt tandem, and you can arguably say that Brad Pitt really pushes that. See, Rain Man is a good call. Mm-hmm. Mission All the missions three. impossible. Julia, really? Yeah, you can. It's number three. Number three. <laughs> I'm about to disown my sister for some of these answers. Yeah. Mm. Live, die, repeat is good. Okay. Uh, Few good man. Yeah, but I was like, he hasn't really had like he doesn't act anymore. Like if you go back and you get a few good men or Rain Man, Tom Cruise isn't out here like he's an action star. Like he's trying too hard to do like Keanu Reeves in my opinion, and not a good job. Uh, when has <laughs> Keanu Reeves ever done a good job though? Let's be real here. Wow, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. This is over. I'm just going to leave that there, okay? Yeah, but Ben Stiller, he can play leading man. He can play co-star. He can play... uh, He can direct the movie. Like, he can write the movie. Like, man, he's just just done everything. David makes a valid point. Which one do you want to see without his shirt? Keanu Reeves or Tom Cruise? I mean, Tom. Yeah. 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 But Keanu is oh. smart. He doesn't take his shirt off. So <laughs> this or that, number two, what you got? Huh? This or oh. you got a minute, this or that? No, that was, that was kind of the only one. Sorry. Oh, Damn okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, there's, there's a this or that from earlier, and I want to hear your take on it. And I'm sure some of our audience is going to have a... And this may be showing my ignorance. Wu-Tang Clan. Or NWA? Make me choose my children. Should be like, wow. This or that. Oh, what's the answer? Wu-Tang or NWA? I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to... Damn. I'm going to have to say Wu-Tang. Like, and I love... And like... If NWA never existed, like that'd be the worst thing in the world. But I just I love Wu Tang too much. There you go, Core. There's there you go. He's he's put his cards out on the table for you. So totally. I, you know. All right, let's um, go real nerd shit real quick because uh, mm-hmm. we only got a few more minutes here. Um, Star Wars. It's always good. Um, well, is it though? So here's my question. You know, original three. Prequel three, afterwards three, spinoffs, Mandalorian. Is it always good? It is always good. And let me explain why. I realized something. This is so here's my thought Star Trek is great nerd like food because mm-hmm. they're like the, Star Trek is going to get into the nerd, extra nerd shit like this planet, they have this language and they do this. And it's that, and like they get into the, and then the phasers. The, the minutia of it all. The it's real nitty-gritty. Real, yeah, yeah. Star Wars is about buddies, and it should always be about buddies. And Star Wars, you're like, I want to see Space Knights with their light swords blow up shit. And it's great, and it's science fiction without too much minutia. And I think that's why people hated the prequels, because it was... That was George Lucas putting way too much detail in. Not only that, but it was terribly acted. That too. That too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anakin Skywalker was the worst. 
both mini Anakin and adult Anakin was just is painful to watch. The worst. The worst. For anyone that hasn't seen them, you can skip the Phantom Menace. Like, you don't even have to go there. And it will not at all affect your understanding of the storyline. Okay? Just letting you know. (laughs) So, um, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the latest one. I feel like I'm one or two movies behind. And I haven't gotten to The Mandalorian. If we had to prioritize, which would it be? Go watch The Mandalorian. Okay. I need a new series anyway. Yeah. After we get through with Casa de Papel this weekend, though. Absolutely. Yeah. It's happening. All right. So let's uh, let's let's talk real. Um, we've been in this quarantine now for what, like two weeks or so. Um, I've lost track of time. I think it's August already. Uh, but they're now saying that we should extend this quarantine to the end of April. Um, you've got some cities. Like, I don't know if you heard, uh, Laredo is, has a, a mandatory curfew for everyone. And if you're seen out in public without like something covering your face, it's a thousand dollar fine. Like it, shit's going crazy everywhere. When this is all said and done, what's life after quarantine look like? Or what do you hope life after quarantine look like? I, I'm not going to lie. I actually don't hate this. I actually think it's okay. I hope we keep some elements of this, except now we can go, the NBA comes back. We can go to the movies if we want. And people, uh, you know, I think we have a big block party first. Uh, mm-hmm. Get on that out of the system. But then I think the quarantine has actually, I don't know, it's, it's like it made human interactions like this more meaningful in a way mm-hmm. where like I, cause it's just so few and far between now. And, and it made like the blah shows on Monday more interesting to me because like the people who are there to see the open mics really want to be there and not just hang out at a bar. It's like, you want to hang out with your buddies. You want to listen to poems and shit like that. So um, I kind of hope some of that stays. I hope, I hope it kind of helped people shift priorities and, and understand that, uh, like what, what matters more. I'm with you. I really, I really hope things don't just go back to the way they were. You know, there's a lot, uh, I think this time is really giving us a chance to really see where our priorities are and uh, what we can do. And hopefully it affects change moving forward. But I'm with you on the block party. Let's do it. Who's cooking? You. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. My husband's very proud. I've come a long way from hot pockets and bagel bites. So there we are. Uh, so we got a few questions from the audience here uh, that I've been writing down. I have been watching the chat, so don't worry. Um, thank you for asking, answering that one. If you are interested in the Sunday workshop, uh, it will be uh, on Facebook. We'll make a post about it. Um, it will be here on Zoom. Um, but we did have a question. Uh, so somebody wanted to know if you had some words of advice for young writers that are starting out and wanting to publish, please. A wise one. The question was advice for young writers who want to get into publishing. Um, okay. So my first bit of advice is write as much as possible. Like, write uh every day if you can uh compile a 
big, big sort of think of it as like a, a, an arsenal or cachet of different poems. And it doesn't matter if they all sound the same or it doesn't matter if some are terrible or if uh, uh, they don't, uh, uh, you know. So even on the days when you're not inspired, like just getting that habit of writing and writing and writing until it becomes more of an occupation uh, than something you that, that's motivated by inspiration. Um, so getting into that habit first, then I also really suggest uh, coming to the Blah Poetry Spot or finding places where poets share their work and start sharing your work. Uh, even if it's something as intimate as a writing writer circle, like get into that habit of, I have to let other people see my work and hear my work and then also critique my work. That way you can start to develop your voice and um, start to, to see what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, in terms of publishing, find it's hard, but you need to find someone who's a strong editor. Uh, you know, ask Chibi, ask me. Like, we're not that far out of reach. Um, I look at a lot of people's poems. Um, so if anyone wanted to send me stuff, I'm totally down if I have the time, which I right now I do. Um, <laughs> we got nothing but time. So, uh, uh, but find yourself an editor, someone who's willing to, to also, or a friend uh, who who will look at your work and be honest with you, and not just say, "Oh, this is great," or "That this next one was great," and the next one is great, uh, but is actually going to go through, um, and then kind of go from there. Start get create a submittable account. If you don't have a submittable account, you need to create a submittable account. That's how the majority of presses and journals accept their work. Uh, so create a submittable account. It's free uh, and it monitors all your acceptances and your rejections and what you send out there. Um, yeah. And don't get discouraged. It's about 90% rejection. You have, if you are worried about rejection, like that's the last thing you need to be worried about. You're going to get rejected. And it's fine. That doesn't mean you suck. Like you get used to it. Like, like you get used to uh, it all being a part of the process. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'm going to co-sign on this. And what I'm hearing you say is get involved, find a community, be part of the community and uh, utilize your community and give back to said community. Mm -hmm. All right. We got another question here from Caitlin and she's, it's, it's a 17 part question. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, do you find you have a different relationship with your writing process now that you're at home more? Do you have any time of day you prefer writing or a ritual or handwriting versus typing? And here's a page to stage thing. Do you imagine it out loud in your head as you're getting it out on paper or others? So okay. your pick. I'm going to take, let me kind of take it apart uh, piece by piece here. So I do have a different relationship with writing now that I'm home more, but I always kind of wrote mostly at home. So now I just have more time to be here, uh, which I love. So I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. But one vital element is kind of missing from my writing process, which is I, I really love to drive around and listen to music and just see things and see people. And sometimes I'll just drive through downtown San Antonio um, and, and kind of just the sights, the smells, the sounds, uh, and, and that's gone. Uh, but, uh, uh, in terms of being home and in terms of the ritual of writing, I, I like to write all hours of the day. Um, if I'm falling asleep and something hits me, I just, I don't care. I wake up, I write a note. Um, I 
kind of try to carve out time specifically to it. Cause like I said, it kind of keeps that process of it being occupational uh, going. Um, and then handwriting first versus typing. I like oscillating between the two. Um, sometimes if the idea is, is strong in my head, I just go immediately to typing it out. Um, sometimes if I'm trying to like explore different things or I just, I'm trying to sort of make a poetry just come out, uh, from nothing, then I'll do handwriting. Cause it's almost like, like sketching or drawing. Like I just, I, I'll write all types of things and ideas, create new ideas that create baby ideas that turn into larger ideas. So handwriting kind of gives me that tactile ability to do that. Um, and then I always imagine it out loud uh, because I just assume that all the poems I'm, I write are going to be said out loud. Um, and I try to, to, I think that's why I have a hard time creating very complicated uh, on the page, like formatted poems, because they're very hard. To, like, how do you perform that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I, I, I always think about it in terms of, of, of reading it out loud. So, and thank you for the question. That was a good question. That was, that was a great 17-part question. Caitlin, where are you joining us from that it's like sunny and bright and beautiful? Today was a gloomy, terrible day in San Antonio. Oakland. Oakland. All right. Bay Area. That's why it looks so beautiful out there. Oh, wow. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, well, Rooster, this has been a phenomenal hour. If you can believe it, it's almost been an hour. Uh Thank you for all the wise words and uh, just kind of opening up and hopefully some people out here that have been fans of yours for a while know you a little bit better and maybe a big fan and are buying your book. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put the links up and, and uh, hopefully yeah. see everyone on Sunday too. That's open and free to everyone. So Caitlin from Oakland and everyone, if you want to join in, uh, we'll have it uh, available. <laughs> Uh, for people to just to kind of get together and write and share stuff because that's fun. Also, I'm sharing this in the chat right now. If you uh, like what you're doing, you want to help continue to support Write Art Out and uh, the nonprofit that it is and all the things that we try to put together, you can send any tips, virtual tips or donations to our cash app, Write Art Out SA. I put that in the chat uh, for anyone, Write Art Out SA. Uh, but again, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Rooster, can you close this out with a poem? Uh, yes. Let me see here. Damn, you put me on the spot. Um, okay, so this is a, a, just a poem that uh, I hope... This was a piece, and Chibi's heard it plenty of times, and many people have heard it uh, a bit right before uh, coronavirus. This is kind of like the latest poem that I had written that I really like. And it was kind of just this idea of celebration and wanting to uh, make a poem that had sort of that uh, utopia type of feel and what that would look like. Uh, and I think it hit everything for me. And then coronavirus hit, and now I have no idea uh, what, uh, what a better United States or world looks like. But I still think this is close. So <clears throat> this is called Pachanga, Pachanga, Pachanga. Y'all, it was crazy. I was at a New Year's Eve party, and I don't know if Get Up, Stand Up was playing or John Lennon's Imagine, but the party was rocking. Rocking like the pacifists found the formula to peace. Rocking like the vegans convinced the whole world to swear off meat. Rocking like Tupac and Biggie came back from the afterlife and told the masses that the secret to happiness is sagging your jeans. And it was open bar and no cover charge. And we had two turntables and four billion microphones. 
And the apocalypse of fire and ice that we all feared turned out to be barbecue grills and Modelo time, fool. And the bullet makers only manufacture flower seeds now. And the bomb makers only make fireworks and piñatas. The party was rocking like Jesus, started a poetry slam. And not a lot of people showed up to support, but it still went hard and you're a sucker if you missed it. And global warming cooled the fuck out because I... T from Lawnhorders SVU looked up at the sky and said, AOG warming. Knock that shit off. And the shit knocked off. And all the kids in cages were not real kids, but Muppet kids. And an elaborate social experiment to show our lack of compassion. And we realized the error of our ways. And 300 million of us busted through the southern border wall like the Kool-Aid man bringing Ben and Jerry's ice cream to all the Ninos. Because they're global Ninos now. And this party knows no borders. The party was rocking like women could catch a fucking break. Like black women could catch like two fucking breaks. Like LGBTQ now stood for let's go back to Queensnose because we all abided by the rules of proper allyship. And gay, straight, asexual, or whomever know that Queensnose is fucking awesome. And every drunk Kyle from Sea to Shining Sea could see untouched drywall and not want to punch a hole in it. And nobody broke a lamp. And it was a party without war. And I held my true love's hand and it looked like everyone. And I'm not saying that to sound deep, but to say that night, we all stopped seeing faces worthy of our anger. And no, there wasn't an orgy, but the sex that did go down was hella consensual. And I didn't know what to call anybody at this party, a friend, a stranger, people, spinning through the cosmos together and hoping not to have to clean up after. But I spilled some Doritos and a Roomba came almost immediately because sometimes I make messes too. And at midnight, a kid blew out candles that looked like Naga hats on a birthday cake and made a wish. It didn't matter because the future looked brighter than any wish. And maybe all this is a wish for an entire generation of kids to be born into a world where they never have to throw a fist. And we call them Generation Y. The fuck can't this be reality already? Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, Rooster Martinez. Thank you so much for being with us here this hour, Rooster. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chibi. And next week, who do we got? So, yeah. Thank you so much, everyone that has joined us so far. Quick plug, and this is going to segue into your question. If you like that poem, you can actually get a copy of it. It is available in this chapbook right here. The two OGs from the Countdown City Poems by five amazing San Antonio artists, and that is Anthony Big Ag Gordon, myself, Rooster Martinez, Johnny Major Rivers III, and our guest next week, your current San Antonio Poet Laureate, Andrea Bocab Sanderson. So if you want a copy of this, hit me up. They're $10. We'll ship it to you. We'll figure it out in Corona time. Um, but again, this has been the first installment of the Blah Poetry Spot Present Words and shit where we get to know the person behind the poetry. Uh, next week, same time, same place, we'll be bringing you Andrea Vocab Sanderson, the current San Antonio poet laureate, poet, hip-hop artist, R&B singer, community activist, and enthusiast, and all-around fantastic poet. So if you enjoyed us, if uh, you liked this week, next week, tune back in, let a friend know. Uh, Rooster, it's been great. Everybody out there, we're signing off. Take care of yourself.